My name is the Reverend Sean Amos, and this is The Cause of It All. Welcome back, Blues Congregation, to another episode of The Cause of It All. Today, we're going to speak with Rod Bland. Rod is a dear old friend. He is Memphis royalty, the son of Bobby Blue Bland. He and I were introduced to each other through Steve Jordan, a mutual friend. And we have toured together. We have recorded together. We have shared a lot of uh, miles of road together. It's his drumming that you hear on our cover of Gene Genie, the David Bowie track. He is someone who knows all too well the burdens and, and, and the pitfalls and the pleasures and joy of uh, living with a, a famous a famous parent. And, and whether you have a famous parent or not, we're all dealing with uh, the burdens of, of parenthood in, in some way. And Rod's got some great stories to tell as well. B.B. King was his godfather. He has just sat at the feet of a lot of blues legends. So it's always great to talk to him as a friend uh, and as someone who holds a lot of blues history in his head and his heart. So enjoy this conversation with Rod Bland on the cause of it all. Well, let's let, let's let's roll back, man. I mean, let's roll back to the to the beginning. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, how you know, how, how old were you when you started drumming? Well, and then what, what, what was your introduction? I mean, actually, let me rephrase that. Was your introduction to the blues, you know, as as a listener or, or as, as, a, as a player first? I would say definitely a listener, mm-hmm. and I think you can attest to this too. Music was played in the house. You, when you grew up, right? As you were yeah, a little yeah. boy? Of course. Same thing with me. So, you know, when my ears, you know, are functioning and I'm hearing, I was like, all right, I like this. And uh, always being a fan of, like, uh, of hearing music and, you know, predominantly growing up, all I knew was my dad and BB, Albert King, and ZZ Hill. And, you know, then as I got a little bit older, like maybe – six seven you know i was hearing coltrane and miles and so i was such a sheltered kid in terms of music yeah like to me all of my dad bb all the blue stuff that was pop to me right, right. and you grew up in memphis right i mean memphis right. born born, 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 born raised. Raised. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, 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 were, and were people coming around the house i mean so I, uh, clearly there's lots of vinyl being spun but who who, who was coming around the house when you were a kid well you know, my dad lived that lifestyle of that song that uh, him and BB did together. I don't want a soul hanging around my house uh, <laughs> when I'm not at home and sometimes when I am home. So, you know, my, my, my mom and dad were not the entertaining type, mm-hmm. right? Like, but every now and again, if, uh, if BB came to town, you know, a day or so early, they would make plans to go be together, like, you know, in, in his environment. Yeah. Uh, it's just a rarity. My dad liked, he liked being home and being home. Gotcha. So, so, so music, music was, music was through music through was played radio and vinyl, but you weren't having like jam sessions in the living room and things like that. No, there's, there's none of that because, I, and I think I killed any hopes of that ever starting because, uh, around about two, three years old, 
as he put it, I started destroying pots and pans and all the uh, the furniture, right? And this happened, I guess, at my granny's house, his mother. I would go into the kitchen and open up the the cupboards and everything, cabinets. I just start pulling everything out and setting pots and pans up like a drum set. Wow. So you were right. So I asked you if it was playing or listening first, but they actually came together. Pretty much. <laughs> um, Cause I would just, yeah, I would grab those long wooden handle spoons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, those are my sticks and you know, be a skillet turned upside down, you know, another pot turned upside down and all of a sudden, you know, Hey, 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 what is and he'd walk in and, and look at me and, and I'd give this like, you know, cat ate the canary grin, like, right? And he would just, hey, man, I, I'm trying to, uh, daddy's tired. I'm trying to take a nap. Can you, mm-hmm. can you keep it? Let's let's put all this up. And I could hear, I still to this day, my grandmother's voice, brother, don't you bother him. I don't, I, to this day, and I never got a clear answer. I don't know why his mother referred to him as brother yeah that's interesting so but so i guess in me trying to be was he like was he an only father, child was your father an only child yes oh, and so to this not knowing the reason why he did that sometimes i refer to my mother as sister sister how you doing this morning <laughs> right so uh, you know we're all, we're all brothers and we're all sisters even if we're, uh, kind, even if we're sons and fathers <laughs> right so finally i migrated from pots and pans into furniture nice Oh, upgrade. He, upgrade. He, he hated that. <laughs> so I would I would take chairs, you know, especially with the cushions, right? Mm-hmm. They would have the, the arms or whatever, mm-hmm. like I'm sitting in right now. The chair, the cushion would be like maybe a snare drum. And so you get another chair with a cushion, you know, that might be toms, four toms, what have you. However, the back and mm-hmm. the arms, hats, crash, Man. ride. I was uh, very uh, had a very vivid imagination. You totally I, just, you know, I, I made some chicken salad out of the chicken, you know, right? <laughs> Car- uh, chicken carcass. <laughs> <laughs> and what, so what? he would he would come in. He's like, "Well, I can't get no. Ca- hey, I got to." So instead of him like replacing furniture or getting things recovered, he said, "Let me buy you a set of drums." There you go. And how old were you then? I was. About three, four, man, and um, you know it was a toy kit, and I ran through that like a tornado. Mm-hmm. And then he got me a Slingerland kit that I still use to this day. I, I used it last night. It's I didn't just, I didn't know this until night uh, about the night before my buddy's wedding. Will Tucker, those Slingerland drums that I have that I got at four years old, nineteen sixty six. So, but you're playing a drum set now that you played when you were four years old. Yeah. Pick it out on the road when I was five. Uh, thanks to my buddy Aaron Molasco, who like kind of did some restoration to it and covered up a lot of nicks and you know got a lot of that rust crushed and smut off. I used that kit, and I'll send you a photo. It's um, he even uh, restored the tom arm mount. So like old, so old school where you have to raise it up, uh-huh. and the tom would clip on like click, you know. Yeah. Like straight up jazz. Like we got 20 inch bass drum, 13, 14. How do you play this thing when you're so young? I mean, how do you even reach the, the, the kick pedal? Well, for one thing, it was, it's a smaller size kit. So it's a 20. Okay. Right. So, uh, 
I did look like uh, Manuel Lewis and Gary Coleman back there on drums, but like I was there just at the right height. Somewhere in my mom's archives are some photos of me wearing a ridiculously hideous powder blue tuxedo, complete with the ruffle shirt gimmick. Nice man, the bow tie. And I, you know, I love you. I got a lot of love for you, but you will never see that photo. <laughs> oh, come on! As long as I'm, as long as I'm living. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I at about five years old. I think my first gig was sitting next to Tony Coleman in St. Louis. So Tony's got his, you know, as I call it, the the big set, you know, five piece, and I got the, you know, small kit, couple of toms, snare drum, hats, only ride symbol. So like. Growing up, I, 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 I always, yeah, I know, I know how you feel. <laughs> Growing up, I was like, kept looking over at the other guy, like, gonna be Tony or George Weaver or what. I get, you know, when I get bigger, I'll have another crash and another crash. So by the time I was like maybe eight, I finally got that crash. At least it was crash and ride, you know, <laughs> instead of like crashing on my ride, riding, it's like, bam, you know. So- so when did your dad, when, when did you first play live with your father? I was about five years old. What? Yeah. Live. Sitting next to Tony. That, was, know, a, that was, li- was a live gig. Yeah. Unbelievable. What'd you play? Do you remember what did you play? Hell, whatever the set uh, was at that time. So I'm pretty sure, you know, that's the way love is. Uh, slash ain't nothing you can do. Further up the road, pity the fool. I intend to take your place. A lot of the stuff from the... Um, from the Reflections in Blue album, Sweet Vibrations, which had uh, Soon as the Weather Breaks, uh, and of course, you know, some of the older uh, Duke stuff. But at that, I, I never touched Love Light until I was 16. So, what ha- so between say five, so what, what is the trajectory of you? I mean, you're five, right? So you're going on the road with your dad at that point, I presume. You're playing when he's like in town, right? Right. So the way it worked, uh, my, my drum education, if you will, was if I wasn't in school, like if it was like summer or winter, whatever it was, I could be on the road with my dad with my drums. And, you know, the heartbreak for me is if we were playing, a cl- he was playing a club date and the stage was too small and they like, Hey man, stage is too small. Can't put your drums up, like, Aww. right? So, <laughs> gotta be on the wings. I, I I I reverted back to sitting next to the drummer anyway, air drumming with stick mm-hmm. from start to finish. Um, was your mom with you? Yes, you know so she whole, was. So, you know, so, so the whole family went on the road together. Yeah, blue, red, and purple. The blues, your dad, obviously. Red's your mama. Yeah, and purple's you. Yeah. What's what's the significance of the colors? Well, for one thing, you know, blue, that's him, right? Of course. And uh, growing up, they used to call my mom Redbird or Red, you know, and, you know, because she, she's so, uh, how do they say it back then? Fair skin. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one day uh, I just was sitting around the house. Actually, it was when I came to visit uh, when my daughter was much younger. I think by that time I, I'd kind of, eased my way into being allowed to call him blue mm. right yeah i tried that uh, as as a youth and i, I got the look i was like oh, okay cool. why do you want to call him blue i mean why, why do you want to call him blue instead of dad or pops or whatever everyone called him blue you know uh like joe harden the band leader uh tony coleman uh you know the guys that 
worked with him on a regular basis, you know, they got to call him Blue. So that felt more intimate to you than than Dad? A little bit. Wow. I mean, it's it's so it's it, it's I guess twisted because as a kid growing up, you always refer to your parents by mom, dad, or mommy, daddy. Hell, I don't even think I ever called him pops or pop, except for that one time we were sitting around uh, on the bus while having a Sanford and Son marathon because for Father's Day I got him the, the the entire box set on DVD. So, uh, hey, pop, what's happening? Oh, I can't call a son. Ain't nothing to it. You need anything? No, nah, I'm all right, man. You just, you, I like this gift you got me, son. I said, that's all right. Well, you know, anything for you, Blue. He said, okay, look out, Purple. So what did he call, what, what, what did he call you the most? Son, Purple, what? <laughs> son, uh, number one, Rod. And then by the time that he uh, saw my, my, my passion for sports entertainment, a.k.a. wrestling, he, he overheard me and my bass player at the time playing a video game. I said, the rod is going to lay the smack. So he, uh, he picked up on that quick, and he would call me the rod at times. Or, and, and that was just purely to, to rib me right. and give me, give, me, give me crap. It was a family full of nicknames. <laughs> right? You know, it, what we call him the Lion of the Blues, uh, Sinatra of the Blues. One time I, I, <laughs> I called myself trying to rib him, see if I could make him crack on, on stage, he's crooning, and there's a small space. Look out, Sinatra! <laughs> so that's that brings up a point. I mean, because like he's your father, but you're he's your band leader. I mean, you're you're working for him. He's he's he's, he's the boss. He's know? my father. He's my boss. My, one of my closest friends. Yeah. So where 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 are the lines? You know, it's, it's that's a lot of blurry lines. Uh, did you did, was it difficult blurred to... lines yeah so <laughs> how is it navigating that for you how is it navigating for you now we're gonna go, we're gonna we're gonna address it in order in sequence it was great to be able to work with him and for him i use the word work with him because he didn't like for anyone to think that they work for him mm-hmm. you work with me so Whereas if I screwed up, I, I might get a little lightweight speech versus another guy in the band. If he screws up, he's going to get a full unadulterated speech, mm-hmm. right? You know, cause you're talking about a maturation process from, you know, teenage years to, to adulthood. Sure. When it came to discipline or boss like things, he would say what he wanted and have Joe carry that out because that was, Joe's job as music director, as a band leader, you know, come from the top. Joe, Joe's full name? Joseph Harden, H-A-R-D-I-N. So he, was, he, he was your dad's band. How, how, many, how many years was he your dad's band leader? Oh, sheesh. Probably over 30-something years. Wow. Wow. Um, and, you know, of course, he was uh, much like me, the one of the last men standing uh, when my father took ill and ultimately passed away. Mm-hmm. Teen years, you know, if, if I did something on stage that maybe Joe didn't like, you know, he would, he would tell me in a way that wouldn't set me off. And then my dad would, you know, okay, so what you did was, was not cool. And, you do, and so if, if another drummer had done the same thing I did, mm-hmm. it had been a little bit more stern and strict. So, yeah. and in one respect, I appreciate them trying to help my mental, but a lot of times I felt like I was coddled and protected when I probably should have been 
completely treated like, you know, one of the guys. Sure. So it was, it's a, it's a lesson learned. And um, I carry that with me now because with the project I'm doing, Rod Bland and the members only band, you know, I still get a little hot about certain things, but I can't just, there's a way to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I need something from you, or I want something from you, I need to talk to you in a way that you can understand how to give me what it is I'm asking of you. Sure. As you know, opposed may- to talking at you. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's a good lesson to learn. And that's a, that, that makes great band leaders. I'm still I, working on that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I think about this, you know, because there, there is a tradition in, I think, particularly in, in, in black musical culture and particularly in black culture where, um, like, I, I've worked with a lot of, I worked with Solomon Burke for a lot of years. And, and Solomon had, you know, everyone in his family, you know, working for him. Right? Mm-hmm. And and it and it's you know that's sort of a, a a rite of passage. I mean, I don't know if it's exclusively you know black families. I think you know any you know parent would like to see you know his kid you know in the family business, right? Whatever it is. Right. But 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 at the same time, I I, I have found a lot because of the history of blacks in music and, and getting ripped off uh, and and all that's gone on. That you know, there's a desire to sort of you know, keep family close because th- those are the only ones you can trust. And then what happens is there's a lot of family members in positions that, frankly, they aren't qualified to be in, right? Like, and that's the, always been my biggest fear at times. Like, as he had me, excuse me, as I started here and there learning a little like bits and pieces about the business, mm-hmm. uh, such as how bookings work, mm-hmm. dealing with promoters little clerical things that a road manager does. Mm-hmm. And I ended up by the time I was maybe 19, 20, it'd be me that would advance the shows. It'd be me that was, yeah. you know, helping uh, like talking with the booking agency and getting the, the, the itinerary uh, right. because you know everyone needs to know where they're going and when they're doing it. So did your dad do that because he he, he was was he distrustful was it was he was he ripped off a lot i mean what, what, what was his sort well, of i mean it's unfortunately it's standard practice with like every black bluesman with the exception of bb king everyone tried their tried their hand at misappropriation mm-hmm. to artists my dad was no different until my mother being the strong woman that she is she put her foot down and, you know, saw some of the negative things that were going on. And as she would put it, the Holy Spirit directed her into how to kind of keep him protected. Right. And and, and keep all the bullshit yeah, away, sure. if not at bay. Whereas she was a figurehead uh, with his business. Like, you know, you can't just easily access him anymore. Yep. You're gonna. We're we're starting to build channels. You know, yeah. we're we we've we, we're skipping from in this conversation now from like seventies, eighties. Now we're talking like mid nineties, especially after he had a triple bypass mm-hmm. in ninety five, which mm-hmm. you know I, he did. That happened after I graduated high school, and you know I'm out on the road with him. It's a family thing. You know, summer we're always out on the west coast, and you know after we played a two and a half hour show at the House of Blues. The, the night after I graduated, he started feeling ill like a couple of days later and, you know, I had to go to ER. He would not, not perform. That's one thing I learned from him. Um, 
through observation. If I'm breathing, I'm working. So <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, right. You know, so it got to the point now where my mom was the first line of defense as far as business and personal. And then as I'm getting older, you know, okay, she's not going to do this by herself. Right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to tag myself in, in, right. in wrestling terms. I'm not going to wait to be asked. So you played this dual role. I mean, so the, it, it, it literally was a family business. It, it sounds like it, it took a while to get it. Because you talk about the 90s. I mean, he's already been recording ours for you know, a number of decades. Yeah, yeah easily. Uh, first one was 1957, further yeah, up the road. It's like, you know, over four decades he's you know, recording mm-hmm. before he started. But, and so you're playing this dual role of, you know, it's one thing to be in the chair of drumming, like, you know, nepotism only goes so far when you're on stage, right? If you can't, if you can't right. cut it on stage, you can't cut it on stage. It doesn't matter if the sun or anything. So you're right. playing that. So, you know, so you got your chops as a drummer clearly, and now mm-hmm. you got to learn these, you know, sort of business chops. Practices, yeah. And, and so, uh, and now you got two ways you can sort of uh, step in it with him. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, it was always a thing yeah, because I was in school, you know, junior high, high school, a little bit of college, he operated with two drummers, mm-hmm. uh, George Weaver and me. And if I was in school, you know, it's just George. Mm-hmm. If I was there, it'd be the two of us, like my my two thumbs right there, and we split, you know, the middle where he is. Mm-hmm. So it came to a couple of different points where George was unreliable, couldn't find him. So all of a sudden, I'm flying the plane. Oh, yeah. And the first, the first gig I did as a sole drummer was in 96. How old are you, 96? Uh, 19. Okay. 19. And I think it was September, too. So I go to my dad's house because that's the meeting place for me. The band meets downtown, uh, what used to be the Benchmark Hotel across from the Peabody. The band loads up, blah, 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 drives out to Germantown to pick him up, load him up. And so that day, yeah, I got there. And my mom said, uh, Bob, have you heard from George? No, I haven't. He knows what time the leave time is. He, I sent him his ticket, I, right? So, you know, they had called out of the hotel several different times, and then they, uh, ah, Mr. Blaine, he still hadn't made it. Uh, what you want us to do, uh, uh, Blue? Come on and come get me. We got to go to work. So bus comes to the house, and, you know, I load, you know, my drums because all not every time that the booking agent had the rider together for them to have two kids, you yeah. know, so... Finally got that situated, thankfully. But um, that particular one, I loaded up my gear. And, and so there's a round table meeting in the kitchen. It's my dad. It's my mom. It's Joe Harden, the band leader. And, you know, I'm just meandering in and out, you know. Oh, Bob, what are you going to do about a drummer? You going to find one when you get down there? I'm not going to have to do shit about a drummer. What you mean? Joe, what are y'all going to do about a drummer? We ain't got to do nothing about a drummer. We got one. And she said, who? And it was just, it was like a, a like a TV show sitcom moment. They both looked at each other and pointed directly at me. And it happened as I was walking in, right. you know, what are you going to do for a drummer? We got one. Who? Boom. That dude to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, she said, are you sure? And like, you know, I'm at that time, I'm like young and whatnot. But looking back on it now, I was like, Really? Who else? You know, I, I, I know the material. Yeah, I'm not for saying, I'm, 15 I'm not years at this point or 14 years at this point. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd be like, you know, I'm going to sound strong, this, that, and the third. 
even though I was told, you know, the reason we don't always mic your drums is because, you know, you're real strong. <laughs> <laughs> I so, can test for that. I've been, you've been back. You've been backing me a few times on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 sometimes you, some of the things I do with you on stage, yeah, I get a little, as, as Blue said, I get a little glad, a little happy. <laughs> um, so we had, I had this thing about being on the road with him. I'd always sit up with him or the boys and we'd watch TV or movies or talk, whatever. As soon as the door shut on the bus, I'm sitting down on the front couch. Uh, and I'm just about to like, uh, put on some headphones or whatever and just tap on my shoulder. Huh? I need you to go ahead and go get in your bunk and get you, get your little nap. Now this is, it's, it's like 11 a.m., 12 noon. I'm like, I, I'm wide awake. I'm right, nap. What are you I'm like, huh? Huh? <laughs> I need, I need you. Don't lay down. I'll get you a nap. Okay. And my dad talks to you so smooth and like, you know, I, I need you tonight. You got to you out there by yourself. You ain't you ain't babysitting nobody no more. Like he he put it to me, he's like, Yeah. Wait, I was I was babysitting? I guess he's you know, that's like the preemptive, uh-huh. like, you know, fire you up speech, yeah, motivational yeah. speech. So I all right, you know, don't get in your bunk. I got my bunk, I had my headphones and went to you know, so I went to sleep. That's a bit we of got up, there. right? So I you feel the bus stop, so you know it's the truck stop. So you're gonna either you know go to the restroom, uh, get something to eat, get it to go back on the bus. So I you know get up and huh, maybe I did need that that little nap, right? So you know go restroom, eat, you know bus and yeah, tap on the shoulder, huh? You, don't you think you want to get you another nap? <laughs> Right, I'm like, uh, these are the dangers of playing for Papa. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, we can, we can, we can. Hey, my man, don't you, don't you think you want to get you? You, know, you don't know what I know. So I said, I know. And you know, I'm, 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 I'm not so much just hard headed and argumentative. <laughs> I mean, but I okay. I'm a, so, got my bunk and you know the rest of the way on into Kansas and um I think it was uh Starlight Festival uh count basic orchestra was on it as well. Mm-hmm. So we roll in and it's about maybe six or seven at that time. Uh five, six. And uh you know, they come and unload the bus for me and I set up and I got about an hour and a half or whatever before hit time. Cause it was one of those, uh, you know, on the fly gigs where we'd go to the venue play. It was only for one night anyway. So, you mm-hmm. know, we came on back. Afterwards. Sure. Yeah. He sent for me after I got, you know, everything on stage and set up. You ready, son? And by that time I, you know, as he would say, uh, I might've been smelling myself. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I don't need another nap. I've had two naps. I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not okay. taking I'm not taking a third nap right now. I do not need a third nap. And like, you know, at that time I wasn't drinking coffee. Uh, you still had all that youthful energy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I was, uh, almost caught a wrestling promo. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I was born. Re- I'm born for this. I'm ready to go. You know, you, you, get, you look sharp in your suit, son. I go on up there and give me what I need. Bring it to me. Mm-hmm. So 
at that uh, time, Jack, Sally, Jack, Sally, he's a little bit nervous having you be the only dude up on stage. Yeah, he just wanted to make sure that I was like, you know, good to go. Cause like, huh? there's a difference between having two of us on stage yeah, sure, and him man. knowing like, you know, which engine he can run on. Yeah. Now he's got, now he's got this youthful engine, right? Mm-hmm. So I get up there and jazz at that time was not my strong suit. And the first tune is a band instrumental called MACS, which I can't tell you the name of the song uh, right now, but I'll text it to you later. <laughs> okay. Uh, but remember MACS. <laughs> okay. 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 So, you know, I just treated everything as a shuffle for that tune. And then, you know, right. I did the intro, brought them up and, uh, you know, first tune that he would do after we bring him up would be, that's the way love is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, and he looked back and gave me the thing, you know. So we get all the way through to about, I think it was, you got to hurt before you heal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was always this uh, drum horn unison thing. Like, no, not hurt before you heal, but if you're going to walk on my love, the least you can do is take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. Where the horns go, ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. So the drums would do, ba-da-ba-ba-ba with the horns. Sure. So I don't know why, but I just didn't want to do it, you know, because like, you know, <laughs> you're 19 <laughs> and like uh, the horns, like if you're going to walk on my and he looked back and he, and he nodded his head like, yeah. So we got through the show and I didn't even get a chance to start breaking down my gear. Boss want to see you. Went, not dad, not dad doesn't want to see you. Boss wants to see you. The boss want to see you. I said, uh, Hey, you know, give the knock. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's my that's my main man right there. You know, he 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 pumped me up after the gig was over. He said, "Boy, all that money I spent on pots and pans and furniture. You, you, all right, I I see you, son. <laughs> I see you, right." So he fast forward. George came back for the following week or whatever, and we're doing. If you're gonna walk on my love, you know, and I didn't do that that snare drum thing with the horns mm-hmm. or he went in what's your motherfucking problem <laughs> <laughs> right because like you know i guess uh for years he didn't like it but no one you know yeah, said or did anything about it and just one day i that night in in uh in in kansas i was like doesn't it kind of take away from like right. you you got to trust your instincts and and from that moment on it never happened again. He he would not, you know. We 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 stopped that. Yeah. And there were quite a few things that, uh, as time went on, that I that maybe George was doing that I stopped doing, and got my ears on some older live stuff that had Peeny playing on it. Uh, like for example, just the shuffle from about the eighties through, let's say ninety seven. Mm-hmm. The emphasis was on the bass drum. Right? The bass drum and the ride cymbal are in unison. Well, I remember listening to some of my dad's older uh, live stuff, and it was more slinky, like a jazz feel. Mm-hmm. Like So it's like the ride and the snare drum. Yeah, so you're bringing stuff back to the recordings. You're bringing stuff back to... Back to the recordings. Which happens when you... You know, tour, right? Because you tour and you, you, you drift away because you develop a stage show, right? So you, yeah, you, drift, you drift away from the recordings and it becomes the songs become something different. So one night he looked back at me and he said, 
I see you, Peeny. Look out, Peeny. Because that was like, uh, that was his guy that uh, came in after Jabbo uh, went to James, right? James who? James Brown. Hey. So for, for your listeners, um, and he called himself my uncle, and, and, and I didn't stop him. I appreciate him and love him. I miss him. But Uncle John Jabbo Starks that did all of my dad's Duke recordings from the 50s all the way up to about maybe 66. That was him on Love Light, Don't Cry No More. Um, That's the way love is, further up the road, and Dust Got in Daddy's Eyes, stuff like all All that classic Duke big band stuff, that was him. And Harold Peeney Portier and Charles Polk were the only two guys that could you know, replicate what Jabbo did. And on a good night, George Weaver. You know, good night, Rod uh, Bland. With lots of naps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. With two, maybe three naps. So yeah. let me, I mean, so, so let, let's flash forward. I mean, you know, you're, you're eight years now uh, since, since your, since your pops has been gone. And, um, you know, I, I lost my mother I mean, my, my father's getting up there. And so, you know, as, as anyone knows who loses a parent, you still have a relationship with them even after they're gone you know, from the earth. It's, it's becomes, yeah. It becomes a different kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and your job is different now in that, you know, you're not touring with him, but you're, you're the keeper of, of his legacy or right? you're the keeper of, of, of his memory. You know, yeah. How, how, how have you, and so it's another job now, right? You know, and, right. and so how have you um, sort of grown into that role and in your current project is, is and for me, I mean, since I've known you, you know, I, I've seen you grow as someone who's been more willing to, um, you know, to step into the shoes of, 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 you know, of, you know, caretaker of, 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 a, of, an, of a legacy and, and to sort of, um, you know, step more into the role of sort of what, 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 what business, you know, chops are sort of needed, you know, to manage someone's uh, legacy, right? Because it, it's a different kind of thing because you don't have them to play with anymore, you know? So now you, it's all about really business in a way, right? Um, and so how, how have you, how do you see your relationship with your father's legacy and, and, and the role you play? That's a really good question. Uh, a loaded one at that. Leave it, leave it to you to, to make me think. So let me say it like this. We, you touched on earlier about him as a artist and not properly being taken care of and, you know, ripped off a lot of the motivation say with Rod Bland and the members only band is I want to continue furthering his legacy and brand and I don't like the phrase, but I'm going to use it. There's, there was money left on the table that he didn't get. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I want to go do things in his honor, on his behalf, to continue keeping blues relevant. You know, it, it, unfortunately for guys like us, it won't be relative in a pop sense because, well, over in Europe, I'm sure it is. But it's about keeping the music and the memory alive, doing things in his honor. And here's a selfish uh, part for me. I want to go back and play some songs that I never got to play. Some songs that as a kid I played once or twice and totally, you know, crapped the bed. 
some songs that I've never, ever gotten to play. And all the while, you know, continuing to shed a light on a vast catalog that not a lot of people know about. For example, Drake and Rihanna did, uh, they did Take Care, right? Well, it's a, a Brock Benton song originally titled I'll Take Care of You. Dad was credited with, you know, bringing the song to the masses, if you will, the, the popularity of it. In just about every other movie I've seen in the last 10 years, somehow the song Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City has found a home in these movies, uh, where there was the Lincoln Lawyer, where they played it almost start to finish in the opening credits, opening scene. I think the last one I saw it in was My Hitman's Bodyguard with Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson. I just want to do more to if not educate people mm-hmm. that there was more to blues than just BB King, Albert King, Freddie King, you know, there, there, there were vocalists. Yeah. You know, um, well, you're in an interesting position, you know, cause you, you know, you think about siblings, not siblings, sorry, uh, offspring, you know, of, of blues musicians and, you know, most, you know, follow in the same, you know, Father was a singer, son, daughter's a singer. You know, father was a guitar player, son, daughter's a guitar player. You know, you're a drummer. You know, you're not a singer. And and, and so I, when you talked about having the chance to play the songs that you didn't get to play at first with your dad, I imagine you're in this position where you can sort of get kind of close to that experience with your father, right? Because you, you're, you're, you're playing these songs. If you got a good singer, you know, in front of you, um, you know, it, it, you're, you're in a position to sort of um, relive that almost more than, you know, the, you know, than Zakia Hooker, you know, who's the daughter of John Lee Hooker, who's also, a singer, uh. you know, could sort of relive that, you know, they, they, you shared, you're one of the few musicians I know, I guess Alex Dixon's the same, you know, who actually, uh, that was Willie's grandson, not son, but you, I enjoyed you, that podcast, by the way. Pardon me? I enjoyed that podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, Alex is great. But yeah, you're, you're one of the few musicians who you, know, you 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 shared the stage with your father, you know, for a number of years. I mean, mo- most sibling, most I keep saying siblings, most children, you know, these musicians, you know, they are they are following, you know, clearly right. you know, they're, they're following in their parents' footsteps. You're following, but you also like shared the same path with them at the same time because you're on stage. That's an interesting place to be. Interesting, you said that last few words when he was when he became terminally ill i went to visit him at the hospital and and this is you know 2013 so i had my you know first iphone the the three and we had uh talked about me coming to stay with him and hang out so i was introduced to pandora for the first time and i introduced him to it and i said hey i got this uh we listen to some music. He says, <laughs> "We ain't got a box in here, son." And, you know, plus, you know, it's, it's no, in the cloud. It's in the cloud, right? Like I was like, "No, you know, just well, how are we gonna listen to it?" You know, I said, "No, we're just gonna." That's your phone. Right. I said, "Mind blown." <laughs> so he's sitting up in the chair. You know, he's got the the gown on and the shirt pocket with the gimmicks and everything attached to him. And I said, you, you want to listen to the Buddy Rich channel on Pandora? He said, what station is that? You know, so we, we go through all that. So I play 
you know, the Pandora, Buddy Rich channel, and, you know, he's just quiet, zoned out. I'm reading a magazine or doing something. And I look over, and my dad's over here. Doing some, uh, doing some air drumming. He's air drumming his ass off. Air drumming right? in his hospital gown. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a magazine. <clears throat> I said, uh, hey, 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 that's a, that's a gimmick infringement. Yeah, <laughs> right. So he said, you know, I always wanted to be a drummer, but I couldn't, you know, put it together. I say that in conjunction with this. Buddy Guy told my mom the a year following his death that that my dad was a drummer. Wow. And see, you know, I never knew that. And uh, you Bobby know, Blue Bland, one of the greatest dr- blues singers in the world, was a drummer. So when he t- when when she would. When she told me that Buddy Guy told her that, I was like, hey, you can't talk like this to your mom. I was like, get the, get the hell out of here. What? Rev, about an hour and a half later, I run across this photo of my dad, Aretha Franklin, and Jimmy Witherspoon at the Regal Theater in Chicago. Aretha's got a ukulele. There's a drum standing like right there in front of Aretha, mm-hmm. both Jimmy and my dad had drumsticks, right? And I saw that and I popped so big. I was uh, like, oh, really? That's and he, had, you know, he had the hair, you know, like a, almost pompadour, slicked pompadour, back and everything. Uh, and so from that, from that moment of seeing that photo and hearing her tell me that, I would think back to certain times he would say things to either me or – or or TC or George, you know, Earl Lowe, various guys that you had played drums. Like it's like he was a drummer. You 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 now you I back, get you, it. You were back in his drummer. Right. Cause like uh, apparently a lot I think Teddy Pendergrass at one time was a drummer too. Huh. Before know. he became a singer. Okay. Uh God rest his soul, James Govan, uh, who used to sing at Rum Boogie Cafe. He was a drummer, and then he became a singer. Marvin Gaye. Sure, yeah. You know, so that's so beautiful. I, now, what, what, a, what, a, what a full circle. What, a, what a, uh, that, that's a that's an amazing, uh, yeah. Circle. And the fact that I mean, you know, you, you get behind the drums at you know four or five years old, and, uh, and your father's goes from a, you know bitching about it to buying you a kit to to bringing you on the road to giving you this apprenticeship and. You know, then giving yeah. you, you know, a mentor, you know, to sit by you on stage and just really watching your back and, and guiding it and giving you the, you know, the, the throne to yourself. And then uh, at, the, at the end of the journey, yeah. uh, so he says to you, you know, uh, you, you're doing, you know, what, what I want to do. That's, that's just what, 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 what a gift. What a gift he gave you. Yeah, he did. And it's, um, it's afforded me the opportunity to play with others, uh, you know, by sub for my brother for bb king and uh i i, I graced the stage for you well uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you for putting me and bb king in the same sentence that's very kind of you <laughs> <laughs> well you know it is what it is uh i hold you i hold you in and in, in the same regard as i do those two uh otis clay you know i i miss those guys deeply i'm honored uh, and, and 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 thank you uh to our mutual friend steve jordan because if it weren't for him 
who knows when our paths would have crossed. Yeah, um, he was he was the matchmaker for us for sure. And uh, Steve got me, uh, and I'd met him before, but he got me involved with playing with Ronnie Baker Brooks. Mm-hmm. So you know, well, no, 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 I, I should talk to Ronnie. Yeah, Lonnie's son. That's another. Uh, yeah, uh, Ronnie's a, Ronnie's a good guy. Father son story. Yeah. Yeah, that actually my dad's final final recorded work was with Ronnie. And I think they cut this in January, if not February of 2013. Ronnie uh, wanted to do Old Love. Ah, okay. Right? And um, I didn't know that uh, originally it was Robert Cray that wrote it. I I was always told it was a Clapton song. Um, Yeah, uh, Robert. But Robert Cray and, you know, but our, our boy Steve, he had to switch it up. Same lyrics, mind you, but the groove is set to Erica Badu's Call Tyrone. Oh, that's enough. And, that's you cool. know, that's cool. So I sat with my dad and Ronnie and Steve and Boo Mitchell in the control room. Uh, and, you know, they handed him a mic and, you know, he was doing different things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the process of when my father's health began to kind of start going down. Mm-hmm. if you will, because his short-term memory was like kind of getting bad. Um, and he was moving slower than normal. Sure. You know, and I, mind you, 83, you've lived a good life, uh, a full life. Uh, but in that same breath, selfish ass Rod wants you, you know, to, to stay around a little longer. Like oh, the, we always buddy. do. Yeah. My dad like just, uh, my dad just passed his 85th birthday uh, last week. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Happy belated birthday to him. Yeah. So yeah, you, you don't want them to go. You don't want them to go. Oh, and, 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 and one thing like my dad got to see me play maybe twice away from him. And once was on Beale with my band Brimstone Jones. And before that it was for his 80th birthday. I did, uh, we were doing the show for at Samstown Casino, and everyone was coming, BB was coming in, Millie Jackson, and, you know, Bobby Rush, and Lattimore, and I asked myself, you know, I want to do something, you know, because we're going to play that night anyway, the band with him, so Rod Bland and Friends, uh, a buddy of mine from high school, and a couple of guys that I work with on a regular basis, we did like a mini set, and we were told to go on at a certain time and I looked around and he was nowhere to be found. So as I'm outside, he's being wheeled in with this entourage and he said, Hey buddy, aren't you supposed to be in there? Uh, uh, entertaining me, playing for me. I said, we just finished. What you mean? You just finished. I said, we were told to go on at certain, at such and such a time. And we did. And who told you to do that? And this is when your buddy was a little bit of a dick. The promoter that was right there that, you know, put the whole thing together was right there over his shoulder. And I said, he looked up, you put my son on and I'm not even in the room to watch him. Come back up there. He's like, oh, encore. encore. Right. So I'm scrambling to find everybody. Cause you know, we're at Samsung casino. So, you know, naturally some of the guys are going to want to uh, try their luck with, the wheel of fortune slot machine. And you know, that's my favorite one to play. Uh, so we, we had done a, like an eight song set 
So we went back up and we did like I think four or five, which consists of Yolanda, uh, Duskat and Daddy's Eyes, um, and Love Light. There's one right. one more that I can't I can't think of. So Pops got to see you. He got to see it. Yeah, right. That's good. So that's good. That's always been like uh, in the back of my mind about I want to do a tribute to him and for him. Sure. And you know I would have liked to you know, fantasy booking. I would have liked to have done it while he was still, you know, physically with me to see yeah, it. He's watching, but, he's watching, man. And see, that I started understanding the depth of that from the talks that you and I would have on the road. You know, just like every now and again, we just get to sit and talk and have coffee. And just like, you have this way of, Rev, you have a way, man, um, that you kind of remind me of him, where I could oh. just sit. I can sit and talk with you and uh, whether it be about something of, uh, of great value and substance, importance, even something trivial, you had, uh, you've got this, this, this calming energy and vibe and spirit, man. And um, I love being around you on stage and off, which is why whenever you reach out about any type of opportunity to work together, it's it's practically done. Even if I had something, I'm going to get out of that to go be with you and Dr. Roberts. Oh man. And man. and 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 of course she would get mad if I don't mention her. Barbara. <laughs> Babzilla, as uh, I call uh, her now. But uh, like you uh, know a uh, touring basis. Yeah. Well um that's you, the whole the whole thing that you put together, man, has just I didn't understand it my first entry into it. And not even the IBC, but I got to say, you know, I will always uh, be grateful to Steve for making this introduction and always grateful to Dr. Roberts for remembering when, when Brady couldn't do your North uh, Netherlands gigs in 16, he thought of me and you reached out. So, yeah. you know, you guys have a special place. Um, well, that's beautiful, man. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate, I just, I appreciate you, man. Thank just you. always know that and I'm putting it out here for, everyone to hear i love you i thank you i'm grateful for you and i appreciate you i love you too man this is uh thank you for this conversation and uh and and thank you for the kind words and uh you know i i am your your dear friend man what's what makes you one of the best uh, drummers out there man and uh i, so I appreciate I'm, that it's, it's what got you on the cover of living blues magazine congratulations on that thank you yeah. i haven't i haven't i haven't seen the uh, issue yet but uh, i got a, I got that text from you and i was like okay yeah uh, man the, the tradition right. continues you're doing you're doing your father proud uh i appreciate and, it and, and I'm, I'm uh I'm, I'm i'm blessed to know you man i love you and, and thank you Same. for making time to do this always i'm i'm always available for you <laughs> bro, we'll speak soon all right brother love you love you too take care later bye bye Thanks to Rod again. He's got a great album out, uh, which just got nominated for a Blues Music Award. Uh, Rod Bland and the Members Only Band. Uh, he got together with a lot of uh, original members of his father's band and put them together and uh, sang songs and recorded songs as his dad used to sing. So beautiful recording, beautiful release, and, and rightfully nominated for a Blues Music Award. So check that out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you want to uh, get your streaming. We'll see you next time. Keep the faith. Be safe.
together.